to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Amen. You know, have you, have you ever uh, been in a situation or a scenario and you said to yourself, God, why is this happening this way? No one's ever been there, I know. No one's been there. You get to a point sometimes and you, you go through life and life is complicated and it can even be confusing sometimes. And sometimes it almost appears as if the promises of God are not true. Sometimes life can, uh, the situations of life can lay them out, themselves out in such a way that when you look at things, you say, this, this is not even right. But you know, I, I believe that God, he never tells a lie. God's ways are perfect. He never, he never fails. And you know, sometimes we have a, we have an issue with the process that God brings us through. Sometimes the process is a little bit more challenging than maybe what we would have hoped. But, you know, I believe that the reason we don't understand the difficult nature of the process is because we can't imagine the immensity of the miracle. You see, what's in God's mind is so much grander and bigger than what's in our mind. Our perspective is, by nature of who we are, short. And we can't see what God can see. And sometimes God says, you know what, the, the, the miracle that I want to do in your life, the blessing that I want to pour out in your life, there's no way that you can understand how great this is. And so I want you to trust me for the difficult process. You know, uh, today is Palm Sunday. For those of you who don't know, that means that we... Uh, the church for, uh, I don't know, thousands of years has been celebrating uh, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and it was, it's called the triumphal entry. And uh, we're going to read this passage from John, and we're going to look into this story about how Jesus really began the end of his ministry. And um, so if you don't mind putting those verses up there, uh, John 12 12 through 27. We're going to read the, uh, a good amount of this passage, and it's because I want to give you context for what's happening here. So let's, let's look at this together. The next day, the great crowd that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. And Hosanna, what that means is it means to save and it was a form of praise. And what they were saying is, Jesus, you've come to save us. You're our savior. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. 
At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Just a little background for those who might not be familiar, Lazarus was a dead man that Jesus went and called out of the tomb. He had been dead for days and it was a good friend of his and uh, Lazarus Uh, his sisters, Mary and Martha, were very close to Jesus. And so it was an incredibly intense, emotional time, but Jesus, he intentionally allowed the sickness that Lazarus had to overcome his life, and Lazarus died. And Jesus came, and he called Lazarus out of the tomb, and he raised him from the dead. And so as you can imagine, that made Jesus pretty popular. So... Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, Save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. I I believe that God, he wants to show us the way of heaven today. You know, the process that God lays out for us today is that, well, let me just say this. Resurrection is God's heart, but death is his process. God is all about resurrection. God is all about raising the dead. That is his heart. He came to this earth in order to raise the dead. He came because he wanted to see the the miraculous life of God flow into all the people that God the Father has entrusted into Jesus' hands. And that's why Jesus came. That's the heart of God. He wants to see resurrection. Do you believe that God wants to see resurrection in your life today? But the process for resurrection is death. Because you can't have resurrection without death. Sometimes we wish that we could get the resurrection, but Jesus says there's only one way to resurrection, and that's through death. 
And I want to pray that God would give us resurrection today as well as he leads us through the process of death. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, breathe on your word today. Lord, help us to see what we need to see. Help us to live the life that you've called us to live in obedience to you and to your word and to your ways. Oh God, we believe, oh Lord, that you, your heart is resurrection, oh God. And so, Lord, we will follow you to the very end, oh God, because we know that your plans for us are good and they are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future, oh God. And so, Lord, we put all of our hope, all of our faith, we put it in you. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Give us grace today. And all God's people said, amen. You know, this is such a... uh, uh, a powerful passage, and I, I just, I, I hope that you know today that God, his heart for you is resurrection. His heart for you is to see dead things come to life. I don't know about you guys, but I have some things in my life that I look at and I say, God, I need you to breathe your life on this area of my life because this area of life is not producing fruit the way that it needs to. This, this uh, arena of, of my growth or whatever it might be, God, I need you to breathe your life into this situation. And I believe that God wants to do that today. But I want to point out a couple of things. Look at this first. Let's, I want to go back and read this verse again. Listen, it says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. You know, that's a fantastic phrase. Whenever you find that in the Bible, you can take a moment and you can say, thank you, God, for being faithful. Because whenever it says, as it is written, that means that God is coming and he's, 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 He's laying down on the promises that he made, and he says, I came through. When it says, as it is written, that means that God is fulfilling his word. And so it says, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. The first point is this. God's promises are sure. And it's important that we understand this. Before we start talking about death and resurrection, it's important that you understand that the promises of God are trustworthy and that they're never going to fail. No matter what the promise is, when you go into the word of God, in fact, in my office I have a book and it's called uh, A Book of the Promises of God. And I started to look through it and I was like, you know, maybe there's going to be all of these, like it's going to be direct statements from God. But you know, it wasn't. It was actually just an incredible list of verses by subject. And I was like, everything in the word of God is a promise from God. There's something in the word of God. Now we have to, obviously we need to, when, whenever we read the Bible, we have to read it in context and what it's, what it's actually saying to us. Because you know, sometimes you can take a verse and you can make it say whatever you want. I don't recommend that. Always read the Bible and say, what is God saying to me? Not what am I wanting the Bible to say to me. Amen, praise the Lord. That's a good word, Pastor David. Yes, amen. <laughs> 
God's, God's promises are sure. Listen to this. God's promises should remove fear. You know, whenever you start talking about death, it's like a real, it's a real touchy subject. Because some of us maybe are afraid of death, and those who aren't afraid of it, we have a real negative view towards it because it's not this pleasant experience. And so, but you know, when, when God makes a promise, it should bring peace to us, and it should remove fear. Because a promise is something that we can go to the word of God, and we can say, God, if you said that this is going to happen, then I am 100% sure this is definitely going to happen. It doesn't matter what's going on in my circumstances. It doesn't matter what's happening in my peripheral. It doesn't matter what's, what's been said to me. It doesn't matter what anyone says or does. God's promises, they always come true. Amen? They always come true. And so when we look at the word of God, when we look at the promises of God, it should remove fear. Look, it says, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. God knew from the Old Testament, he knew that this moment was going to take place. He knew that the people of Israel and you and I needed a king to come and to rule over us. And so he says, don't worry, I have that problem already fixed. And I'm going to give you a promise today, hundreds of years before it will ever take place, so that you know I have your best interests in mind. So he said... Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's promises are true, and they will never fail. Amen? You know, God's promises, they go beyond our perception. And it's important to remember this because our, God's word, it goes beyond what we can see today. The person who got the promise, daughter Zion, see your king is coming, do you know that they never that they were not alive when Jesus came into Jerusalem. They died before that was fulfilled. And sometimes the promises that God makes to us are much bigger than just us. They're, they're, the miracle that God wants to perform sometimes is much wider in scope than what we can really imagine. You know, it's amazing to me. My wife, her family, um, they were... Uh, generations go back as being missionaries in China. And uh, if you're familiar, um, Hudson Taylor uh, was a famous missionary in China. My, my, my wife's uh, great-grandmother and all this sort of thing, uh, they knew Hudson Taylor. They were ministering in the same region. And, um, and so they go back just hundreds of years, martyrs, all sorts of different things. But one of the stories that they tell us is this. They say, because you know, now today, China has more believers than, uh, I believe, any, any country in the world, if I'm not mistaken. And China, um, where, when, when revival started to spread in China, when the gospel started to spread, the towns that it was spread the most and the quickest were the towns where there were crosses in the graveyards. Why is that? Because the missionaries that had toiled there the years prior had sown seeds that they never were able to see. But God made a promise to them. He says, if you go, the word of God never returns void. Amen. Hallelujah. 
so those missionaries, although they never saw the fulfillment, their labor went into the people. Their labor, their prayers were not unanswered. They did not go unheard. And so those missionaries who poured their lives into those places, when the gospel came and God says, now is the time of fulfillment, then the gospel came and it spread and the fruit, it came out of the ground. God's ways are perfect and his promises, they never fail. And listen, I want to tell you this. Let me tell you a promise that is available for all of you here. Some of you maybe are new to, uh, uh, to the faith, or maybe you say, you know what, I'm just a visitor here. I just came. Someone invited me. It's Easter time. I know I wanted to get back into church, and, or whatever the case may be. I want to let you know, resurrection is a promise that is available to anyone who will take it. It doesn't matter who you are. Today, if you say, Jesus, I want the resurrection power that you promised, meaning when I die, I'm not going to be dead. I'm going to be raised to life. That is available to anyone here. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter anything that you've done because, you know, if you're not familiar with the story, this is how the rest of this story goes. Jesus came in on a Friday, excuse me, he came in on a Sunday riding on a donkey. And the same people who were crying out, oh, Jesus, we worship you, you're our Savior, we love you. On Sunday, uh, excuse me, on Friday, they were crucifying him. And Jesus went to the cross, and he took all of our sin and all of our rebellion, he put it on his shoulders, he went to the cross, he allowed himself to be tortured and murdered on our behalf to pay the penalty for our sin. And why did he do that? Because he was putting to death, death. He said, this death thing has got to go. And so I've come to put an end to it. And that was the beginning of the end for death because when Jesus died on the cross, he says, now I hold the keys to death and the grave. Because he didn't stay dead, he rose from the dead and now is living in glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. And today, I... I just, you know, we don't typically do this, but I just want to give you an opportunity right now. Today, if you say, you know what? I don't want to be dead in my sin. Maybe there's things in your life that you're like, there's just a bunch of stuff that's not right. I know I need a relationship with God. I know that, I'm, I, I know that I've done things wrong. I know that I've, I'm just, I, I, I need help. If that's you today, God, he wants to provide a way for you to live. And today, if you say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and you took my sins and you want to forgive me of my sins, if you say today, I want to receive that, God will accept you. He'll adopt you as his own child. He'll pour out his love on you and he'll raise you to life. Just close your eyes real quickly. No one looking around, but if there's anyone here and you say, you know what, today... That's what I need. I need, I need God.
I need God to come and to rescue me. I can't do it on my own anymore. I can't live this life on my own. I've tried and I failed and I need God to raise me to life. If that's you today, would you do something? Would you just raise your hand? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're just going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. I'm going to lead everyone here in a prayer. And you know, it's not the words that we say it's the heart that we bring to God. If, if you're raising your hand, you can, you can lower your hand. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray this together. And again, this is not about the words. This is about your heart. But I'm just going to lead you in this prayer just because I want to I help just guide you along. And so if that's you and you say, God, I want you to come and forgive me and I want to live a new life. I don't want to be stuck in the old ways. Then look, just pray this along with me. And I'm going to have everyone just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for picking me and shedding your blood so that I could be washed and made new. Jesus, I turn away from my sin. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Make me new and wash me clean. Forgive me of all my sin. And come and live inside my heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you for every hand that was raised. We thank you for every person that put their faith in you today. Just now, oh, God. Lord, you said that the angels are rejoicing in heaven, and we rejoice alongside of them, oh, God. You're so good. You're so good, oh, Lord. You're so good, oh, God. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. And every person that just raised their hand, we thank you for what you're going to do in their life. Lord, they've begun something new, and we thank you for that, oh God. Their lives will never be the same. Lord, you are so good. You are so good. Hallelujah. Now, this is what's going to happen. Those of you who just raised your hand, we're going to hand you a box with some information about this new relationship that you've just begun. But right after the service, I want you to do this. Pastor Jose, who's in the back right now, he's raising his hand. I want you right after the service, when we go to the altar call, he's going to be right in the back. And if you raise your hand to accept the Lord and you got one of those boxes, please, please, Go back and talk to Pastor Jose. He would love to just explain a couple things to you. We would love to connect with you. Come on, church family, can we give it up for them? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now listen, we're almost done here. But I just want to give us a couple more things so that we can pray.
Listen to this. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Verse 16. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went to worship at the festival. They came to Philip who was, with Beth, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Listen to this. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this life, in this world, will keep it for eternal life. Listen to this. Don't miss the fulfillment because you don't understand the process. When when Jesus came into Jerusalem, there was a lot of people. They missed it. You know, what were they doing? Remember, they, they were crying out. They were saying, oh, Hosanna. Oh, praise God. You know, we, we worship you, God. And they, were, they started to get into this, to this mode that, oh, you know what? God has come to bless my plan. God has come to, to, to solve my immediate issues. And he's come to, to make me happy and, to, and to, to fill my belly and to, to make all my problems go away. Thank you, God. But Jesus says, I'm not coming on a horse as a conqueror. You see, because the people of Israel, they were looking for, uh, the people of Israel were at that time heavily oppressed by the Roman government. And so they were living in, 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 in terrible conditions, being oppressed. And so the people of Israel, they wanted a deliverer to come and to set them free and to loose their chains and to, to free them from this bondage. And Jesus says, I didn't come to free you from the Romans. I came to free you from your sin. And when he rode in, he rode in on a donkey because in those days when when a king rode in on a donkey, it was a sign of peace. It was a sign saying, I have not come in riding on this big horse to say, we've come to conquer this place. Instead, he rode in on a donkey to say, I've come to make peace with man and God. There will be a day where Jesus comes riding on a white horse. And we look forward to that day. Hallelujah. On that day, Jesus will settle the score with all human governments, with all opposition, with all the things that have been, the, all the, mis, the, the, the sin, all of the, 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 the atrocities. God will clear the score. He will come and he will do that. But today is the day of salvation. This is the season of grace. And Jesus says, I've come to show you a different way because you can't have resurrection unless you have death first. 
And as Jesus rode in on a donkey, he says, I'm not coming to just solve the immediate felt need that you have. I'm coming to solve the problem of eternity. They wanted a king for a generation. Jesus says, I'm, settle, I'm setting up on a kingdom for eternity. When Jesus came, he came and he says, I didn't come for your plan. I came for my plan. Sometimes, guys, we all do it. Sometimes we can say, God, why don't you just get on my agenda? God says, because your agenda is too small. I can't, that's not good enough. God's miracles, God's miracles are so much bigger than what we can imagine. His, his glory is so much higher than what we could possibly get our minds around. And so the best thing that we can imagine, God is like, that is way too small. I have so much more in store. But you have to trust me. You have to listen to me. You have to die. Don't miss the fulfillment because you don't understand the process. You know, everyone's process is different. When the people heard about Lazarus, they were excited. They were like, wow. So Jesus, he just went and he told this dead guy to get up. And he's around still. You could go talk to him. And, and they were excited about that. They're like, man, if Jesus raised someone from the dead, he could probably fix some of my problems too. He could probably deal with some of my stuff. And you know, the, the reality is, is that's very true actually. He can. And so they said, well, I'm going to come and, and Jesus is going to, he's going to, he's going to fix my problems. But, but the problem is, is that God says, well, I, I'm here for you. I am here for you. But I operate on my own terms, not on yours. And sometimes someone else's process doesn't determine ours. You know, there's this story when Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he was talking to Peter and John. And he was talking to them and he said, he was saying to Peter, he says, you're going to be led down places you don't want to go, and you're going to be dressed by someone that you don't want to be dressed by, essentially. I'm paraphrasing. And Peter looked over at John, and he's like, Jesus, what about him? That doesn't sound like fun. And Jesus says, don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. I have a different plan for you, Peter. My plan for you is perfect. My plan for you is exactly what you need. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about someone else's plan. You know, you can look at someone. It's like whenever you start to compare yourself, immediately you lose. When you start to look at someone else and you're like, oh, man, they're so, they're so blessed. They have this. They have that. They're so far ahead in life. And, man, I've made so many mistakes. I could never, I could never catch up. That's, that's human thinking. God's thinking says, when I look down, I see kids, and I love them all the same. And I see my plan, and I see my purposes, and I see my name being lifted up. And if they'll just get on my agenda, then everything's going to be perfect. And so, for us, we have to say, you know, Jesus, I thought that you were coming on a horse. But I'll take a donkey. If you want to come on a donkey, I guess that's the way it's going to be, God. If you want to die on a cross, even Peter said to, you know, Jesus started to, to tell Peter, Peter, 
the time has come for me and I'm going to be handed over and they're going to kill me. And he says, and then Peter says, never, Lord. No, that's not going to happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's not God's plan. You might have a certain way that you think that this should go, but as believers, we have, to, we have to unite ourselves with Christ and we have to say, Jesus, when you died, we died too. Because when you died on the cross, you showed us how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to submit to your plan. We're supposed to submit to your ways. And we're supposed to say, God, my life, I can't make those decisions. That's not up to me. And you know what? It looks different for different people. God might ask you to die to something that you're like, well, this isn't a sin. But if God asks you to die to it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes God will ask you to die to something that you say, but God, I thought that this was like, you know, how come they can do that? And how come they? God says, don't worry about that. My plan for you is different. We have to die to our rights, you know? Sometimes we think, well, I have a right, you know, to be happy. I have a right to, to, to go out and, and get a good job and make a, make a good living. I have a right to, you know, uh, uh, a certain relationship or a spouse. I have a right to all these things. And God says, hey, hold on a second. I don't mind blessing you. That's not a problem. I have plenty. But you don't have a right to anything. We die to our rights. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said when, when Jesus bids a man to come, he bids him to come and die. Because when Jesus calls you, he calls you to die to yourself. And why is that? Is it because Jesus is mad? And he's like, well, if I did it, you have to. No. No. It's because there's no resurrection unless there's death. And Jesus says, I want something for you that's way bigger than what you could have imagined. So you gotta die. You know, the death is something that happens daily. It's a daily. We die daily to ourselves. There's things that we have to say no to. You know, sometimes it's just good to say no to yourself. You know, that's why we, that's why sometimes fasting can be so good for your soul because you can just practice saying no to your flesh. And you could say, I just, you know, sometimes, and I don't know if you're, you're like me, but sometimes I just, you know, uh, I just say, man, I just feel like my flesh has a little bit too much sway right now. And sometimes you got to put your flesh in check and you got to say, hey, simmer down now, you know. And you got to say, maybe I'm going to skip a meal or something. Why? Because we have to practice saying no because that's a dying. And you know what? Don't condemn yourself if someone that you look at is like, oh my goodness, I'm not dying like they're dying. Remember, don't compare. The death that God asks you to die is going to be different than the death that he asked someone else to die. But don't be mistaken. We've all got to go through the process of death so that we can experience the miracle of resurrection. Come on, let's all stand together. Hallelujah. You know, just close your eyes. God is here right now. God's heart for you is resurrection. God's heart for you is resurrection. 
And maybe you're in a, you, maybe you're in a situation where you just say, man, there's been so many things that I'm just not happy about. I just don't want. And maybe you're in this room and you say, I've actually run. I've run away. I've run away from God because when I signed up to be a Christian, I didn't realize that I was going to have to give up this. I didn't realize that it meant I was going to have to die to this. And maybe you're here today and you're a miserable Christian because you said, I didn't know that I was going to have to die to all these things. And instead of saying, God, in faith, I'm going to walk into this death, you said, no, I'm going to fight against that and I'm just going to be miserable. Today, I want to encourage you, surrender. Give up the fight. What is God asking of you today? Is it your reputation? Is it your finances? Is it your safety? Is it something, is it a relationship? Is it something in your life that you know is just not right? And God's saying, if you don't get rid of that, we can't be in fellowship. You've got to get right. What is it? God is asking all of us. He's asking us to die to ourselves. And you know, you don't have to go digging, okay? This is not about saying, oh, I gotta find something new. No, rest in the promises of God. Rest in the love of God. When God tells you to die to something, trust me, you'll know. But today, what is it that you have to say, God? Maybe it's just a prayer that says, God, new level of surrender. New level of surrender. Daily surrender. So we're going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the band begin to sing, and we're going to sing, and this is what we're going to do. This is a time, this is a moment for just you and God. Some of you have been running. Some of you have, you, you're, you need to come back to God and you need to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to run anymore. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. God has called some of you to be in the ministry. God has called you to do things. God is, and maybe it's not the ministry. Maybe it's something else. God has called you to quit your job and go do something else. God has called you to do something. And there, you know that you need to do it in order to be obedient to God. What is God asking you to do today? Today, God wants to bring you resurrection. That's his heart, but his process is death, and we have to be willing to go through it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, you see where we are, Lord. God, you know exactly where every person is down here, oh God. You know the battles they face. You know the heartache they've experienced. God, you know the mountains, the seemingly mountains that are ahead of them, Lord. But God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God, I pray you would give them the courage to believe you today. God, I pray you would give them the strength to trust you today. And God, I pray you would give them the power to turn away and not look back, but to look forward, Lord God. God, I pray you would lift their eyes to see that you are for them, oh God. And you're not against them, Lord. That the plans that you have for them are good and not evil, Lord God. To give them a hope and an expected end, Lord. And God, I pray that as they, as they experience your forgiveness today, as they experience your courage today, God, I pray they would lift their eyes to heaven and they would not leave here the same in the name of Jesus. And as they leave here today, God, surrendering their will to you, God, you would give them the joy and the strength that they need to continue to move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Yeah, come on, put your hands.